The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Uh, Before we get into talking through the action, Mike, how are you this week? I'm back. I'm doing good. I've always been an Eric Bischoff mark, so I was really excited to see him on TNT tonight. So I felt like we needed a little special intro. Get it out of the way early, but I'm doing good, man. Uh, You know, it's dog days of summer. It's been pretty hot up here, but uh, still been getting my exercises in, getting my old man walks in every evening. Hashtag old man walks. I've even recruited my friend Josh to join me on my old man walks. So we're burning. That 2.56 mile walk every single day together. Solid. Burning some calories, you know, on top of the workouts I'm doing. And have you heard of Fall Guys? I think it's, uh, it came out yesterday. It's a video game. I don't know if it, I think I'm only PlayStation and Steam right now. Have you heard of it though? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't really know much about it. So, uh, so talk to me. What's, what's it like? Yeah, it's, it's one of those party games. But it's a it starts off with 60 people. <laughs> and did you ever watch Extreme Elimination Challenge growing oh, up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the games are kind of like that. You got to try and survive each round. And eventually it whittles down from 60 to one person standing. And they're very Mario Party-esque games, but they're kind of loud and goofy and not serious. And the character design, you can unlock different costumes and everything. and. Uh, my buddy, Christopher Kinney, I'll post in the show notes, but he's doing a charity streams all month for the Boston Children Hospital. And he kind of kicked it off last night with Fall Boys and Joel after work today, I won my first 60 man battle royal. Congratulations. I beat Chris in the final round. It is so much freaking fun. It, I, I some, you know, we always talk about the games we're playing and. I've had a lot of serious ones lately, so to be able to just kick back and beat 59 people in a death match of pink and purple goodness is just really, really fun. So if you haven't heard of it, check it out. I'll post Chris's fundraiser in the, the, the notes and, you know, check it out. You know, it's for a good cause, too. So there's there's Solid. a little plug in for the day. So, Joel, how how you doing, man? I'm how, doing pretty did, well. How, did you survive Tropical Storm? I don't know how to pronounce it. Isaiah? <laughs> I don't yeah, even know. So I've heard people saying Isaiah. I've also heard people saying Isaias. I'm not sure which is correct. I'm not sure that I care. <laughs> I think hurricane nomenclature is pretty stupid. So um, I don't see how it really benefits anything to name them. I mean, I guess when you're thinking back on like hurricanes that have happened in the past, it, it helps like around here. Everybody talks about Fran and Floyd. Yeah. I was um, there for those. But yeah, Hurricane 24601 doesn't really do it as well. It I just feel bad for people who have names that are associated with like really awful hurricanes, right? Like especially <laughs> if it's kind of like an, an out of the ordinary name, like like obviously like Hurricane Matthew was a big deal, but I don't think that's going to stick to people named Matthew. Hurricane Florence on the other hand, like there aren't that many Florences out there. So if you happen to be named Florence, I do feel like that one's going to stick with you. Or, or even Hurricane something like Irene 
or even something like Sandy, right? Like not that many people are actually named Sandy. And oh, Hurricane Sandy. Sandy was terrible. So I lived through it, man. It sucked. <laughs> it <yeah>. was awful. <laughs> so, so yeah, well, yeah. Everything everything was pretty fine. We're we're decently far inland. Yeah. So you know, I was really glad to not be in South Carolina anymore. You know, oh, we moved. Gosh. It's almost a year ago to the day. Yeah, man. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we were up here. That was actually one of the things that we wanted to move to get away from hurricanes. So it's nice to to have a little bit more of a buffer zone. We just got some wind and rain, nothing too bad. Uh, I actually didn't miss work at all. So that was, uh, okay. that was nice. Hey, man. Well, you got away from actual hurricanes, but you're not far from the Carolina hurricanes who swept their opening series and are advancing to the Stanley Cup playoffs. So go Canes. Yeah. Redneck hockey. I, dude, I love it, man. Redneck hockey rules. I went to a Hurricanes Bruins playoff game when I was still in college. And the tailgate was like a college football game. And if you've never been to playoff hockey, like it's hockey is not in my top two or maybe even three favorite sports, but there is nothing more intense than a playoff hockey game. It's just a completely different level. So random, I know, but Joel, anything else you want to, you want to shoot the shit on before we jump into what was a excellent episode of AEW dynamite. Now let's get into it. Lots to talk about. So, uh, the dynamite that was the dynamite that it. was, all right, I'm going to see if I can do a better job this week. I, I yeah. prepared. So, <laughs> Dynamite kicked off with a 12-man tag team match featuring members of the Elite tagging with FTR, taking on members of the Dark Order. Dark Order got the pinfall victory. Mr. Brody Lee getting the pinfall there. This was followed by John Moxley cutting a promo talking about how he doesn't want to be responsible for the end of Darby Allen's career. Uh, we also got, uh, before that, we got a image of the best friends arriving in uh, Trent's mom's van. Hard to get that one out. Um, and the best friends then took on proud and powerful Santana and Ortiz, best friends getting the victory. Uh, but we'll hear more from them later on. We got a check-in with MJF's campaign to be AEW champion. Uh, and we got a promo from the unkillable Matt Hardy. This was followed by Proud and Powerful taking out their vengeance on Trent's mom's minivan. It was a ruthless scene as sledgehammers and bats rained down, destroying all surfaces, particularly windshields and windows of the van. This was followed up by a tag team match between the Beaver Boys, that is Alex Reynolds and John Silver, taking on Cody and Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona getting the pinfall victory for his team in that affair. We then got the arrival of the best friends, finding the van, finding the destruction, and cutting a promo on Proud and Powerful. This was followed up by the debate between Y2J and Orange Cassidy, which was presided over by none other than Eric Bischoff. This was followed by a match between Big Swole and Rebel Tanea, with Big Swole getting the victory and securing her shot at Britt Baker. Next up was the main event of the evening, Darby Allen taking on John Moxley, John Moxley getting the win, defending his title, and walking out as still AEW champion. 
Mike, what stood out to you from this week? Stock up, stock down. Okay, my first stock up is Joel. You crushed that, man. <laughs> you ended right at the time when it was going to fade anyways. So, Joel, you you have entered the sportscaster uh, <laughs> hall of fame myself. tonight. <laughs> I had to redeem myself from last week. Last week was a shoddy performance. Hey, man, there will be surprises on this show because what do I like more than my friend Joel? Fucking with my friend Joel. So, but in all extract serious, that soundbite right there and use it to haunt your dreams. Fucking my best friend Joel. <laughs> it's something like that. Um, no, but for real though, uh, let's start here with the main event. And I love the callback to the Moxley uh, Allen match during Moxley's promo. Major props for that promo, by the way. That was excellent. Made me care about this match. It, you know, it came together kind of quick. You know, you know they, they, they've been working together here the last two weeks and boom, title match. But uh, there was a history there. And that one promo really made not only the, the match for me, but it kind of created the theme of the match. And I kind of liked this hardened, battle-weary mentor, quote-unquote, that Moxie was playing here for Darby. And... I, I got chills, man, goosebumps when he said the line at, uh, uh, I'm trying to find the exact quote. Uh, please, when it's time, when it's time to stay down, just stay down. Even though I know you're not going to listen, I wouldn't. Man, Joel, what are your thoughts on this promo? <laughs> I mean, I thought Moxley did a tremendous job of kind of, Drawing back a little bit, you know, this wasn't the typical bombastic wild man Moxley that we've gotten accustomed to, but he was able to draw back and show a different side without feeling like it was inauthentic to this character. Being more reflective, thinking back on how he was earlier in his career, what's brought him to this point, and kind of seeing Darby Allen in himself, I think was a cool way to set up this match and to quickly build some drama for uh, a rivalry that really only has two weeks history in this current iteration. Obviously, they've faced off before, which he referenced in this promo. But in getting us back into the mode of these two guys facing off, I thought this did a great job of setting that up. Yeah, and the match itself kind of followed that theme. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I criticize Moxley a good bit when it comes to his matches. They don't necessarily fit the style that I've grown to see in AEW. He's kind of an outlier in that regard. But Joel, I think this was one of the best story-driven matches I've ever seen from Moxley, from Ambrose, from this guy. I, I was really impressed. And obviously, it takes two to tango. And him and Darby put on a very good match um, with some you know, pretty damn good spots. Uh, you know, We talk about Darby having that kind of Kenny Omega level of speed and early on the match where he hit uh, the suicide dive onto the stage and then just got like flung into the ring post. Like that would kill a normal man, but uh, he popped up and continued to kind of fight his ass off. What were your initial impressions of this match? I thought it was a really well-worked match and it was kind of like watching a car crash happen over and over and over again. <laughs> you know, that 
I lost count of how many times John Moxley uh, had to catch Darby Allen uh, so that he didn't die. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and these were high velocity dives, high degree of difficulty spots, both as the person delivering the move and as the person receiving the move. So I was very impressed with what we saw throughout. And I, I think these styles of these two guys work really, really well together. Um, I was impressed and, and pleased. This is one of my favorite kinds of matches to watch. And I really enjoyed what we saw. Yeah. And, and another thing here, like this, the show, I think my only complaint on the show overall is it, it, there was a lot going on. So it did feel like some things got rushed. And this match, like, tipped off right right around 9.45. So there wasn't, you know, a lot of time to really flesh out a a barn burner type match. But it goes to show you don't necessarily need a lot of time to make an impact for story. And just the history between these two guys and that promo really helped. Um, The match did have some shenanigans in it, which uh, involved... MJF 2020 and Wardlow with MJF destroying Moxley with the AW championship belt while the referee was distracted. And those near falls near the end of the match, I thought Darby was going to get it. I thought they were going to I really thought after when he hit that coffin drop post belt to the face, I thought Darby was walking out as champion and we would have some tango between these three men moving forward. But, Joel, what'd you think of MJF's interference and kind of uh, the shadiness from the MJF 2020 campaign? I think it was set up pretty nicely from the earlier segment because you had uh, MJF get asked a question about, you know, what happens if Darby Allen beats John Moxley? And it's almost like a light bulb went off for him. Like, mm-hmm. huh, ah. I have this opportunity. I could, instead of facing off with John Moxley, I could face off with, you know, what did he say? 125 pound emo kid. So, <laughs> yep. It's, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward who you would want to face off with uh, given those options. Uh, so I, I liked the, the fact that he got involved. I liked that it also didn't have an impact on the decision in the match mm-hmm. because it didn't need to. You know, I, I think the match that we want to see right now isn't MJF and Darby Allen. The match that we want to see right now is MJF and John Moxley. So let's continue to develop that story. Let's do some things to add some spice to it and get Moxley angry. But there's no need to put us in a spot where, you know, we're going to have to do some shenanigans to get that match back. So mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah. I thought it was well done. Yeah. And I kind of like the seeds that we now know MJF is afraid of Moxley. And- if any character in wrestling can take that to his advantage here over the next few weeks, what we got? We got, what, three, four weeks to all out? Plenty of time to build this story the right way. So, Well, one last thing. We, we also talked last week about how MJF didn't seem heelish enough. This put him firmly back uh-huh. in the full-on heel territory. So I yes, liked sir. it for, for that utility as well. Yeah, and we, I may cut this, but... a a politician berating a black citizen, man, that's the most realistic thing on AWTV all year. And let's move on. Joel, <laughs> I, I was a little nervous about 
the Chris Jericho Orange Cassidy debate when they announced it last week. I think you said it reeked of other wrestling company. Yeah, but man, I laughed my ass off, and then I got super scared for how intense it got. So, what were your thoughts on this wild segment that involved Eric Bischoff? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this worked really well for me. Uh, I thought that they did enough to distinguish it from the other politics angle that's going on on AEW right now with the MJF 2020. And I thought Cassidy absolutely shined. You know, you have Jericho out there doing his best to seem like a blustering buffoon. And that just creates this opening for Orange Cassidy just calmly and coolly deliver his promo and to be like, I don't care, you know, that you mistake me, sir. (laughs) And I just really enjoyed his whole demeanor. I like that he didn't respond to the three questions that he didn't care about. And he kind of saved his comments for when it counted. So I thought this was a really well executed segment. I usually hate this kind of segment, but mm-hmm. you know, the surprise uh, that we got with uh, Eric Bischoff combined with the just excellent work by both guys playing their role perfectly made it work really well for me. Yeah. Everything just kind of clicked and, you know, I, I've I've always been an Eric Bischoff, Mark. I think he's one of those guys. Don't put him in charge of things, but he's very good as a character. He's very good as a personality, and he kind of worked here. And I and I loved, yeah, like you said, Cassie didn't answer the questions he didn't want to answer. But I love, I died laughing, man, when he answered the global warming, rising sea levels question. It was oh, it was so damn good. It was so damn good. And man. Like, that's a really, like, long statement to have to try and memorize. So I actually do think he really cares about it. <laughs> like, well, so he, they would have... <laughs> the, he, he, does, he does have the sunglasses on. And so, you know, it, he's, he's very much able to look down and read off of True. a card if he needs to. So I, I don't know, you know, how much of that was from memory or how much of that was you know, kind of written out in front of him that he could just reference as he needed to. Regardless, it was really good. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I also liked how Cassidy turned the tables around in the his final rebuttal, basically saying, man, if you lose to me, the guy you think is an embarrassment, the guy you just said, everyone laughs at me behind my back. Like, how embarrassed are you going like it was just a really great it's kind of one of those like when you when you re- reverse the argument on a bully and a bully doesn't know what to say cuz you just broke his brain like it was so well done and god he's probably what if if he he's probably said 10 words on TV he probably increased that by like a factor of 10 tonight cuz he spoke so much Well, I think what I love the most about it is that it mimicked his in-ring style. Like the way that Mm -hmm. he performed in this debate was the same way that he performs in a match. He started off just by kind of ducking and getting out of the way. And then 
when it was time to try, he went so fast and so mm-hmm. hard. And it's just so cool that he's able to commit to that style, not only for his in-ring work, but also for what he does on the mic. And that's just tremendous. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed Orange Cassidy specifically in this segment, but the segment overall. Yeah. And, you know, we talked, we, we've talked about Jericho since God, since before we even started this podcast and what he could be for the company, what he should bring. You know, him, him being the first AW champion made sense, established name in the industry. And now him helping build stars, helping develop stars is the most important thing. And this, I think this is truly going to be his legacy in AEW is the stars he's helped make around him. All of the inner circle, I think, is better than they were when they, before they joined the faction. Hell, man, you got me praising Jake Hager the last two weeks for his work in the ring. Not saying that's all Jericho's, you know, doing, but to kind of be around a legend like that and and have him help get you over is I think what all veterans in wrestling want to do. So, um I wanted to give some props to Jericho here for we all loved Cassidy even before this feud started, but man, he is in a completely different level right now. And if they were fans in the ring, the pops would be John Cena returning at the Royal Rumble high. Like, that's what these pops would be like, because he is just killing it right now. So, I mean, ESPN ran a feature on Orange Cassidy last week. That's the level of profile that he's reached, and that's wild. I'm a pretty hardcore wrestling (laughs) fan. I've watched a lot of indie wrestling over the past five years, and prior to AEW, I had no exposure to Orange Cassidy. Now yeah, he's on the level <laughs> where he's getting features written about him on ESPN. That's a huge shift in yeah. not even a year, a year of being on weekly television. It's incredible. It's really great. You know, our biggest concern with AEW when they announced last year was, do they have, we know they have stars right off the bat, but can they develop them? And man, we saw so many young stars tonight darby allen the main event orange cassidy in this segment sammy guevara man that was a really awesome intense segment there with matt hardy um like (laughs) did i say mjf mjf they are developing these guys and you know the we we talked that the roster was top heavy the roster is starting not starting the roster is balancing out where there is quality up and down the card and it's great to see. So, Joe, what do you think about the minivan getting the, the shit kicked out of it? Um. <laughs> I mean, I, I like this. I, I think Proud and Powerful, largely due to Ortiz, have the ability to play into a more comedic feud. Uh, and obviously, best friends, like that's right in their wheelhouse. But I love the just absolute conviction in Trent's voice. He's like, and after we beat you again, you're going <laughs> to apologize on speakerphone. <laughs> what a line oh, delivery. Man. And so there good. was no hint of comedy in his voice. He was delivering that totally serious and it absolutely worked for me. 100%. And I love that the shift of that feud has now changed. Like, um, you know, it, 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 
their next match and hopefully that's at all out and he gets a chance to shine will feel completely different than the match we saw tonight. So uh, really interesting and good stuff there. And I just love that, you know, they're, they're, they're best friends with Cassidy and they got his back and they're involved with this feud too. And I'm glad that the best friends didn't kind of fall off when they lost their championship match. Um, I was a little worried about that, but they've been in a nice prominent spot. You know, obviously being with Cassidy in this feud definitely helps keep them there. And, you know, hopefully they, they continue to stay in this era of the card because I, I love the best friends. You got to give the people what they want, Joel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Anything else here, Joel, before we move on to our next stock up, stock down item? No, let's move on. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Deadly Draw, which kicked off this week in kind of surprising fashion. And this is kind <laughs> of a stock in the middle, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's a mixed bag. You know, there's some stock up, there's some stock down. I think the, the stock up is the matches, the production, the show itself. If you didn't watch it, it premiered on YouTube at 7 o'clock on Monday and featured the first two matches in the first round of the Deadly Draw, which is the AEW Women's Tag Team Tournament. So the matches were fantastic. The show looked amazing. The production was really good. Uh, we got uh, Veda Scott on commentary, and she was awesome. Awesome. Uh, she was in the crowd tonight, by the way, if you didn't, if you didn't see her. She was in yeah, the first. Yeah. She was really great, and I thought it was really cool that they they brought her in uh she obviously was a you know pioneer in women's wrestling we got an appearance from medusa on the broadcast yeah. and it was really good which you know was kind of surprising to me because like the last time i had seen her was uh, a random appearance in, in ring of honor and just was not good i mean it she seemed to be stumbling through her promo and forgetting what she was supposed to say and it just was not great. And so to see her come out and deliver a really strong introduction to the show uh, that featured, you know, two matches that both got time and actually had some kind of surprise outcomes, I thought was really good. And the stock down here, and, and Mike, oh. you can jump in on this as well, is yeah. the promotion of it. I mean, it was announced, what, Monday morning that it Yo, was going to be no, man. Monday evening? I, I I was not alone in this. I me and a lot of people thought this was just the drawing of the teams, not anything else. Like because they announced, I think it was like maybe Friday night, Saturday, that there was going to be the YouTube show on Monday, and then it came out. Oh, we're gonna have one match on it. I'm like, oh okay. But when they announced the show, it the one match they announced didn't kick it off. And it made it seem like, based off what Tony Schiavone said on commentary, that they were going to do every first-round match this week, semifinals next week, and the finals the week after that. So the thing is, I don't think a lot of people knew that this was a two-match card and that this was the official kickoff of the tournament. So I'm sure their numbers are going to be maybe lower than they expected because it was just marketed so poorly. And... We're not used to AEW rushing things, and Joel, it felt rushed. I think you put it uh, perfectly. It felt out of character for them. Everything about this, everything prior to the show starting felt weird. And then once the matches started, like you said, the matches were good. The production quality was good. 
Uh, it felt like an event. It felt different than watching just an episode of Dynamite. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I just did not like how they kind of fumbled the launch of this. And, you know, we talked about this offline, but, you know, I really want to make sure that these women get the shine. And I know we disagree on whether or not they will get that through this YouTube series. But, you know, I was really hoping that we had one women's match tonight on the show that lasted two minutes, three minutes. And it was kind of a bit segment. Like, I really want these women to get their chance, get their chance to shine. And on a show that's averaging 800,000 ish, 750,000 ish viewers, you know, I think giving one these matches once a week, 15, 20 minutes on the card when we had, you know, multiple tag matches that didn't necessarily need to be on tonight's show. Like we don't need to see, like we always talk about AW and NXT. You don't have to see the big stars every single week. We could have had the 12 team tag match, 12 man tag match start the show next week. Give that segment to take Conti Anna J versus Nyla Rose and Ariane Andrews. Like it would have worked just fine. So is what it is. Yeah, can't really change it. I'm going to watch on Mondays, and I think it's going to be really great. And, you know, we did get a massive upset. Tay Conti and Anna Jay are moving on to the next round, which I think was the absolute right way thing to do because, the to me, the whole purpose of the Deadly Draw should be to establish more stars because the women's division has been hurting due to COVID, travel restrictions, and the injury bug. So I think I went a little longer there, Joel, but uh, give me your thoughts while I find my computer charger so we don't lose our recording. (laughs) I agree with everything that you said there. I think uh, it would have been nice if they had done a better job of promoting it. And I I wonder like what is going on behind the scenes because it doesn't make sense to me if they knew they were going to be airing matches on Monday. It doesn't make sense to me not to announce that on last week's Dynamite. Set that expectation when you have your audience and you're they're there paying attention rather than hoping that people spot it. You know, if I hadn't been randomly on Twitter, I wouldn't have seen that this was happening because I didn't see it till Monday. And even then I saw it like Monday afternoon that there were people tweeting about it earlier that day. And that kind of clued me in. Okay, if I had had plans or something already going on, I wouldn't have been watching it live. You know, fortunately, I was able to to do that. But, you know, and like you said, we're we're pretty hardcore fans. And if we're, you know, not finding out about it until late, you know, your your casual audience is going to miss this entirely. So I was disappointed that this week on Dynamite, they didn't say anything about it and yeah. you know, promote that. Hey, if you didn't see it on Monday go check out the deadly draw on YouTube and be on the lookout for another installment dropping this upcoming Monday. Like you have this platform, use it to promote your stuff. And I'm hoping this isn't indicative of where the women's division is going, that they're just not getting that level of promotion that we'd like to see. Uh, But I do think there's been a lot of conversation that's been happening and a lot of, Uh, discussion on Twitter to this effect, kind of echoing the things that we're talking about. So hopefully they get the message and do a better job of promoting this moving forward. Um, But I don't want to be super negative about it because I do think the show was really, really good. 
Yeah, like we talked about when Dark debuted last fall, it seems like test runs of creating more content down the line. Or does this mean we're going to get like another show? Maybe not. But, you know, in a blink of an eye, AEW has content on three nights a week now, which less than a year into the company, that is impressive and aggressive. And I like that mindset. We're not comfortable. We're not going to settle on just having our two hour time slot. Like I chose, and I know this came on before raw, but I originally was going to check out raw. And then I watched this. And I'm like, mm, you know what? I don't want to watch raw now. <laughs> like, cause this was, I thought more enjoyable than what I would get on that. So, um, yeah, very, very weird, weird stuff with this whole scenario. But, you know, I really do hope that they and I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of all, you know, the women's roster was smaller than the men's roster anyways. And the women's I feel the women's division got hit harder by the effects of covid than the men's division or the tag team division, like period. They got wiped out. And then the injuries to Britt Baker and Statlander, like. It's it's been tough. So hopefully, hopefully this is you know the start of a the women of AEW in, in fall of 2020, and they really get the chance to shine. But man, it's hard sometimes. It it sometimes feels like how the other wrestling company. Like I made the comparison of like how they they touted Evolution in WWE as being such a big event, and they put them in the Nassau Coliseum, the worst arena in professional sports. It's like a high school gym. Knock that shit down, New York. So it wasn't that it one of the last weird. shows to be run there. Hasn't it since been knocked down? No, they renovated it. Oh, okay, but it was one of the last shows before it renovated. I literally went to a Hurricanes Islanders game there, and the person behind me, their chair broke. <laughs> and and this was not That's a not big. Great. This was not a big or large person. They sat and it just went. It snapped. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, some positives though. Nightmare Sisters getting the random draw. Um, they look good together. I love Dustin and QT Marshall coming out to support the Nightmare Sisters. Great to have QT Marshall back on TV. Glad he recovered and fought off the Rona. Can't stop him. And then yeah, Tay Conti of NXT fame. Joel, I don't know much about her. Do you want to give us a little scouting report real quick? Sure. Yeah. So she is, I think, from Brazil, and she's a legit judoka. So she has the shoot martial arts background, and I think, oh, from shit. what I she's saw of her in in NXT, you know, she seemed to always be kind of holding back a little bit, and you see that a lot when actual fighters transition to pro wrestling because they're truly capable of doing a lot of damage to another human being, they hold back a little bit. If you go back and watch early Ken Shamrock matches, you see it there. And he was freaking lethal. But his strikes don't look like that when you watch his early WWF stuff. And the same is true for, for other people who have made that transition. I think over time, she's kind of figured that out some more. And her technical wrestling, her grapples and throws have always been impressive because she knows how to use her body uh it's leverage it's using your opponent's force against them 
And that's stuff that translates really well to professional wrestling from judo. Taz was also a judoka. That's his background in combat sports prior to being a pro wrestler. So, you know, I think there are a lot of comparisons that can be made uh, between her style and Taz's style. I know it seems crazy, but (laughs) watch the way she works and you'll see some of those uses of leverage in the style of pro wrestling that she's chosen. So um, I'm excited to have her. I was really high on her in NXT and I never felt like she got anything more than like jobbing to a debuting talent who they were getting ready to push. So we, We've talked about before about how WWE had a really bad problem of hoarding talent, signing talent for the sake of signing them and never using them. So from everything I've read, from everything I've seen, it really just sounds like it was a numbers game. There was just too many people ahead of the line for her to really get a shot. I, I, I liken this to when an NFL team or an NBA team takes a shot on a former first round draft pick. Like WWE spent, what, three years? four years developing her, helping her become a wrestler. And there's potential there. And I like the move of bringing her in and seeing what she can do. And I like this pairing with Anna Jay. I love Anna Jay in the dark order. I really love it. I think it's going to be a hit. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm can't wait to watch on Monday and special programming note. Uh, our buddy Larnell is going to be, joining our ranks, doing some social media work for us. So you should expect to see him live tweeting uh, the deadly draw and AW dark going forward from our main account. So welcome Larnell to the party guys. All right, Joel, anything else about the women's division before we move into lightning rounds? I think it's going to be a pretty short lightning round because we've talked about most of the show already. Oh man, we, we say that every single week. Lightning round. So I wanted to talk about uh, the Beaver Boys taking on Cody and Matt Cardona. And I I will forever call them the Beaver Boys, even though that is not their (laughs) their moniker anymore. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember where I was like, what the fuck, the Beaver Boy? (laughs) I I thought they had a really great showing in this match with Cody and Matt Cardona. Uh, In particular, John Silver just looked fantastic. His kicks were really, really crisp. And the dude just flies around the ring. He is very fast. And he's a smaller guy. Like, he's really, really short. He's built like an NFL running back. You know, he's got that small, compact frame, very muscular. And he's very strong for someone his size. So I I liked seeing him get a kind of spotlight in this match, even though the match was really about Matt Cardona's debut. I thought it was really cool that they put him in that spot and, and let him get some shine. Yeah, man. They, I thought it was going to be a kind of squash and you know, it did not meet the criteria of a Matt Hardy squash match. Um, so yeah, good effort from them. Good showing. And you know, man, I just, I'm maybe they paired him with the Beaver boys on purpose because they're smaller guys. Matt Cardona looked huge, huge. And I, this probably just comes down to the average size of wrestlers in WWE and AEW. But man, he looks gigantic. Uh, reports have come out that he's signing a short-term appearances deal, not a long-term deal, which I found interesting. Wondering if he's maybe got a wink-wink nod-nod to come back to WWE when things get better. But 
curious to see where they go with him these next few weeks. Uh, fun match all around. And Joel, we had a Orton scale. What do you get? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to drop a steaming two on that. Oh, it was wow. very, it was very loose. Uh, it was not very controlled. And I, I think the timing was just off. I, I like to see a nice tight power slam. That rotation has got to be clean. And uh, it just wasn't up to normal standards. So well, here, here's the thing. Cash Wheeler with that catch power slam in the 12 man tag. No power slam the rest of the night stood a chance, snowball's chance in hell because that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. It, it doesn't it doesn't go on the Orton scale because it's not an Orton style power slam, but nope. it, it was very nice. But yeah, I agree. I, I was going to give it a, a, a nice two as well. So we're on the same page there for once. So um, my item for lightning round, uh, Sammy Guevara hitting like a 630, whatever that was. Um, 450 plus is what I tweeted because I had no idea how many rotations he actually filled, uh, flipped. But Matt Hardy with the crimson mask bleeding everywhere. This feud obviously had to take some time off. It has gone zero to 60 fast. And if Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara is a match we are going to get it all out, I can't wait. I don't yeah, sure. phrase, I believe we've skipped some levels. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that ch- throwing the chair to the face was just absolutely brutal, man. Yeah, I, I wasn't brutal. sure if that was a, a blade job from Matt or if he just got clocked in the forehead with a chair. I mean, it... <laughs> It was kind of hard I, I to think, tell. I think it was hard way, man. <laughs> like, because he threw that from like a foot away. Like, it was. And he threw that not... hard. I mean, that was a nasty shot with that chair. And yeah, that, that flipping 450 plus off the stage. I mean, a 450 is impressive. A 630 is impressive. But those are short range moves for the most part. You know, sometimes you'll see a long range 450, but. To come leaping off the stage while doing more than a full rotation in the air is kind of crazy. I mean, the visual was nuts. And he had to go up and over an obstacle and then come down onto the table. It was a very impressive dive. There was many ways he could have died doing that. So um glad he didn't. So, Joel, next item on lightning round, if you got one. Uh, yes, um, I did want to take a moment to talk about the 12 man tag team match that kicked off the show. (laughs) This match was absolute chaos. And I want to give credit to uh, Dax Harwood for making me believe he was hurt. (laughs) Until until Adam Page escorted him backstage. And I was like, oh, it's a storyline angle. Uh, (laughs) Right up until then, though, it really seemed like he was hurt. The match was a little bit disjointed for a little while after the quote unquote injury took place. And the selling was just fantastic. Uh, but, you know, once Adam Page left the match and walked backstage, it was like, OK, clearly this is part of the angle that they're running. But, man, I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was fun. You know, it this the the escalation bout, as I call it. It, it was just going to be pure chaos. And, you know, I think we've grown accustomed to multi-man tag matches just being garbage. <laughs> like, like that's not the case here in AEW. So you have to pay attention to these matches. 
The right team won. Dark Order need this win. And you know that Paige going to help FTR to the back is going to play a role in whatever is developing here with him and Kenny. Um, so good stuff. Really fun. Uh, I don't have anything else left on Lightning Round, Joel. By, I, I, anything you want to mention or talk about before we move on to uh, what's on the card next week? I think we can go ahead and preview next week. Let's do it. All right. Well, man, we have another stacked episode of Dynamite because why the hell not? So as teased tonight, what I'm looking forward to, Cody versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW TNT Championship. Dude. (laughs) This is going to be good. Sky deserves the shot. We've talked about how he is a star in the making, superstar in the making. And man, I would love to see him get the win and take that belt, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Any thoughts on this match? Yeah, did you watch Dark this week? I did not. I did not. So So you should go back and watch it. You should go back and watch it because Scorpio Sky had a match with Will Hobbs that was short, but very good. and. Uh, after the match, he cut a phenomenal promo. So if you haven't seen it, go back and check it out because he basically talked about how he's being overlooked and how he has more wins than he can count and that he's, you know, going after titles and that that's what his agenda is right now. So uh, I thought it was great stuff and really set the tone. So when he popped up, after that match with uh, Cody and Matt Cardona to kind of give Cody the nod and say, Hey, I want that belt. I was really excited for it and not at all surprised that he showed up because, you know, he was just out there cutting that promo, calling his shot. And now here he is to back it up. Question for you. We, we love the AEW TNT challenge. It's been great. We've had amazing matches, awesome surprises. Is this taking away from Cody being able to develop a real feud, a real story around this belt? Because it's really just been one-offs? Or is the story the eventual exhaustion and shift in character that we're going to get from him? Yeah, I think that's right. I think Cody is the story right now. I think what we're seeing, the development of his character and the lengths that he's willing to go to to defend this title, both from a enduring physical punishment perspective from a bending and breaking rules perspective, from a compromising friendships perspective, you know, this is what we're seeing. And that's the story. It's kind of amazing that it is a one person story, right? Everyone else who gets involved is a prop, but they're also not being buried by being props, right? They're still getting over by being a prop in this larger Cody story. So i I'm totally down for it. I don't need him to be involved in a long-term feud with another individual. Although I do think that's kind of what is going to end this run is going to be a a bigger, higher profile, more built up to match. Uh, But I, I would also be thrilled if, you know, there was a surprise victory. I would be thrilled if Scorpio Sky were to take the belt off of him next week. He's defended successfully seven times already so there's no shame in him dropping the belt not at all not at all i'm gonna have to fact 
check this later because I want to make sure I get this right. But I'm pretty sure the John Cena open challenge ended when his feud with Kevin Owens began. That's correct. When they had that three match run that was just that started like late stage Cena doing like five star matches. Like it was great. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I want to see what your thoughts were on that. And uh, but let's move on. It is tag team appreciation night hosted by FTR. And we have appearances by Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and the Rock and Roll Express. Former NWA Tag Team Championship champions, Rock and Roll Express, like it's recently, nine right? Nine times. Well, didn't they didn't they hold it just like two years ago? Less than that, yeah, less than a year less ago. Than that. Um, they had that awesome. Uh, what was it? Last fall, where they got involved with the match and one of the guys hit like a Canadian destroyer. Yeah, Ricky Morton, I believe. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so that Slowest should be fun. Canadian destroyer I've ever seen. <laughs> Side note: I saw them after WrestleMania. Whenever they got inducted in the Hall of Fame at the airport the next day, super fun. Um, but on Tag Team Appreciation Night, we're gonna have two matches. Uh, tag team matches: we have Grayson and Eva Uno versus the Young Bucks. Which, after what we saw tonight and what we saw from the uh, Dark Order in their tag team championship match last week, this should be phenomenal. And then, random but should be awesome, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega versus Lucha, Soros, and Jungle Boy. I always screw up their damn name because I always want to say Lucha Express or <laughs> it's it's always bad. Um, Joel, these two tag matches should be great. What are your thoughts here? Uh, I mean, it's tag wrestling in AEW. Enough said. Short and sweet, to the point. And then the main event we've all been waiting for, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy, part two. 100% will be the main event. Can't see any anything on this card topping this. Joel, what do you expect from these two guys after what we've seen the last few weeks? I expect Cassidy to go over. I mean, me too, man. This has been built up huge, and it, it's time for for Jericho to make a new star. You know, the only person that he's really put over in a match is, well, I mean, guess technically Scorpio Sky that was in a tag team match, mm-hmm. uh, and John Moxley, who was already a star. So this is the opportunity to make something for Orange Cassidy and to you know, light the ignition to fire him off to the moon. Like this is the moment. So let's do it. Yep. I agree 100%. And if he wins, I could potentially set up Cassidy Jericho three down the line. Or if you want to get the vet, his, his W back, he can, but it's time. Cassidy needs to do this. Uh, I'm, I will be very disappointed Uh, and not just disappointed, but I would be worried about the direction of the company if Cassidy does not win this match because for what they say they want to be, for what they've been so far, uh, you got to put Cassidy over here, man. You got to get that that big-time signature W uh, on his Wikipedia page. So, um, yeah, and and Joel, before, before I close things up here, uh, do you have a random observation this week? You know, I don't. You know, this, this episode was jam-packed. <gasps> And, and so full of of stuff, I didn't have time to let my eyes wander and, and find something random to uh, to point out. I, I will uh, take this opportunity to point out that uh, Leva Bates keeps having her week ruined by somebody. 
This is becoming <laughs> a, a theme on Dynamite. Uh, I think it started with Lance Archer uh, putting someone through the table she was working at. We had Nyla Rose destroy her setup once. Uh, and this week uh, in the, I think it was in the, the opening tag team match, somebody got chucked into the rail right in front of her. And uh, she always sells it huge and, you know, lets out a scream or, you know, just looks very distressed with what's going on. So props to her. I always pop for that. Not really a random observation, but kind of a random observation. I, I got I got kind of not so random, but kind of random. I love that Omega finally got his hands on um, Cole, Cole Cabana tonight yeah. after all of the goofy stuff on being the elite since Cole Cabana debuted. So uh, loved it. And if you notice when Cole, when he finally got on top of Colt to to start laying into him, like they were aggressive, fast punches, and he like he got blindsided because he was just so focused on beating the shit out of Colt Cabana. So uh, really good work there from from those guys. So kind of random, not super random, but it works. It works for the segment. So guys, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your podcasts. We're there. Rate, subscribe. It would do a lot for us if you spread the word, tell your friends. Uh, we're trying to grow this into something bigger uh, and we need your help. And I know you guys are listening. I see the numbers. I see the interaction. So keep it up. We're going to be bringing you more social media interactions here with the addition of Larnell to our social media team. And you can find us on Twitter at the other wrestling. Damn it. You can find us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the other wrestling show can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com and joel anything to add before we go to sleep join the dark order and i got one thing too guys google this podcast later peace remember everybody life's a work duck the clothesline and happy wrestling